Welcome to Canada's Property Management Podcast, your number one resource for investing, managing, and maximizing the value of your real estate assets. And now, here's your hosts, Carla Brown and Adrian Schultz, Canada's rental property experts. On today's episode, we're talking about kittens and rainbows. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about cash flow versus return on investment, but it's kind of like talking about kittens and rainbows, don't you think, Carl? No, I thought you were going to say unicorns and rainbows, but... (laughs) You know, yeah, unicorns. Everything in my house is unicorns because I have a five-year-old daughter, as you can imagine. Unicorns and rainbows everywhere. It's very important. Yeah. So cash flow versus return on investment. Um, you must hear this all the time when you're talking to prospective or even current rental owners. Uh, yeah, that well, they all want a cash flow. If you ask any investor what's important, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Uh, what does uh, not? To, I shouldn't say this out loud, but what does Grant Cardone was it cash flow baby? Is that his? Uh, is that his phrase that he uses like for it. everything? Um, not. Um, I, whether you're a fan or is neither here nor there. But anyways, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is so important. But as an investor, it's not all about cash flow, right, Adrian? I mean, there's other factors to really look at when you are purchasing a property. Yeah. So I think it's important to think about for a moment, why are you investing in real estate? And the reason that people invest in real estate is to create wealth, okay? You want to have a long term growing asset, right? And I think too many of us that are investing in real estate prioritize cash flow over the actually more important thing, which is what is your return on investment? And when you're looking at, and we've we've spoken about this in the past, when you're looking at a prospective rental property, the most common thing that realtors will put into the marketing material is either financial statements, which are good because those are going to be real numbers, or a performa, which is going to give you an anticipated cap rate. And the cap rate being the net income annual divided by the purchase price of the property. And I think in most Canadian markets, a desired cap rate or or what people are looking for is going to be in that 4 to 6% range, when the reality is that what you see in an anticipated performa is usually going to be exaggerated. It's a performa. It's forward-looking, right? Mm-hmm. So if you knock a percent off of that anticipated cap rate, all of a sudden you're into a percentage that isn't attractive at all compared to your stock market investments or your other type of investments. So Carla, return on investment. Yeah. Just, I want to go back to the cap rate because a lot of, like you said, realtors do advertise this cap rate and you're looking at these percentages and you're looking, you said four to six and the higher, the better obviously is in when you're looking at the cap rates. So you might see something out there that is, you know, as high as a seven or higher but you have to realize how they've calculated that is they've taken the income from the rental property, taken off the expenses that were being paid, and then they've divided that by the purchase price, as you said. So you may not manage that property exactly how it was being managed or how this person who's looking at this to do that cap rate. So it's better actually to really go through a full analysis when you're 
when you're doing that? Like, what are the expenses that are going to be associated with this? And really kind of figure that out yourself, not just take it as an advertised rate. So I think that you look at cap rate when you're narrowing your search. So when your realtor is bringing you a whole bunch of properties, helps narrow the search is the way I would put that. Then return on investment is similar to a return on investment if you're buying stocks. If you're in investing in anything, you want to know what is that return going to be. It's and the I think yield. Our, yeah, our eyes mm-hmm. start to sparkle when it's double digits, right? And you're not always going to get that, especially if you're if you've only invested in your bank, you're definitely not getting double digits. So you want to be looking at where you could maybe increase that. So you're going to look at your annual income, your net income, um, minus your mortgage payment, principal and interest, divided by how much you've invested in the property. So this was where it becomes very, uh, not tricky, but it becomes very unique to you because you might be willing to invest $15,000 to get into this property where somebody else is investing $30,000 to get into this property. So now you're looking at what return you're getting on that $15,000 or that $30,000. And those are going to be very, very different in that calculation. So that one is very unique, I guess, to the situation. And as an investor, if you're trying to get more on your invested money, you're going to want to try to go in with the least amount of investment that you have to put forward. Yeah. And there's another term, which we're not going to go into too deeply, but there is actually something called an internal rate of return, which in in fact would include the appreciation of the asset as well compared to the amount of money that you invested in. So there's a variety of different angles to look at the investment. And I I agree with you, as you said, use the cap rate as a filter to determine which ones to investigate further, but always do your own full analyzation of the property and do your own budget, right? Yeah, you have to analyze the property as you're going to manage it because there's so many people who are selling a property. And this is really even more interesting when you're selling a property that might be distressed how did it get distressed, Adrian? That's because it wasn't maintained properly. So it is going to show a really good cap rate probably, or a pretty decent one. And you're going to be basing that on what you are going to be able to rent that property for once you've fixed it up, because you know that it needs some work. So you have to put all of the money that you're going to be now putting into that property on maintenance in order to see what that real cap rate is going to be. So the numbers can really just be, they can just be dazzle people. You have to actually go through and analyze the property from start to finish. So this is where I see a lot of new investors and I love it when they come to me and like, I want to look at this. I don't know what I'm looking at. And they send me samples. So they'll send me some MLS listings. Well, what does this look like on a cap rate or return on investment if I was going to be investing this amount of money? And now we can start to play with the numbers. And now we can see where they're going to be comfortable. And then we can see where the cash flow comes into play going back to what we were first talking about, right? Yeah. So the, the cash flow for someone that's looking at potential properties and they're, if they're really focused in on the cash flow, I would invite you to think about this for a moment. Let's say that a, a property is cash flowing two or $300 a month. And, you know, let's say $3,600 a year for sake of argument. Think about return on investment in another way. And that is once you've owned the property for five or 10 years and it has increased in value. Okay. Think about the potential to refinance that property, right? The increased value, take out all of your equity, right? And now you use that equity to go and buy another rental property, okay? So all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, I'm creating long-term wealth. 
I'm creating legacy wealth for my family or, or, or for myself, whatever it is for your retirement. And you can very quickly shift from focusing on cash flow to really looking at a big picture return on investment when you look at things like refinancing opportunities down the road. And that's where speaking to a professional property manager is really going to help put you on the right track. And I know, Carla, you're going to say the magic treat team or, or the, the eight. What do you call that team that, that puts together? Power that, team. The, the power, power team. team. The power <laughs> team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you have to, as an investor, getting comfortable with being in smart debt. Many people were raised where you buy a house and pay it off. But if we go back and think about how many people were raised as when you are in your 20s, you buy what we call a starter home because you would never go and buy like your forever home. You couldn't afford it. Well, how did you get from your starter home to your forever home? That's because you built up some wealth in that property and you were able to then move into a higher price property because you're able to sell the, your starter home for less. Or now you may be able to rent your starter home and you'd be able to leverage your equity there to buy your forever home. Like there's a couple ways that you can do it where people never thought of before because they weren't comfortable with that smart debt. They were very comfortable in putting down a down payment and paying off that house. That is not how you're going to become wealthy uh, investing in real estate. You have to get out of that mindset and you have to realize how you can make the asset work for you. And speaking to somebody, you know, you're in the mortgage industry, Adrian, like yourself, can really help understand how you can leverage that property to buy another property. Yeah, the final thought that comes to mind is the importance of also speaking with your financial planner. And an account is usually part of the power team, but a financial planner may also play a role in all of this only because your entire long-term financial picture could and should include real estate, and you want to get the, the the full picture, not just the real estate piece and not just the stock market piece, because there are tax implications involved with all of this. And if it is structured correctly, you can, it's not called tax evasion, it's called minimizing your tax exposure. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there. Yeah. My accountant and my lawyer have pointed this out to me. It is not called tax evasion. It is called minimizing your tax yeah, exactly. exposure. <laughs> this message brought to you by the government of Canada, CRA. Okay, I'm wrapping this up before I'm we kidding. go into I'm deep kidding. here. But it was real. It was real. That is definitely real property management. Thanks for listening to Canada's Property Management Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating, which will help us reach more listeners. Until next time, connect with us on social media and online at realpm.ca. Today's episode is brought to you by Century 21 Canada, the gold standard in real estate. Explore listings, find an agent, and get advice at www.c21.ca.